0: Good morning. We um we are gathered here today on the traditional lands of the Stolo, Kwatlin and Semiamu people. We acknowledge this historical fact because we never want to assume our right to this land and always want to be grateful for the peaceful lives we live beside our indigenous siblings. My name is Eden, and I'm going to be your host this morning, and um, I just want to welcome you here. If you're here, I feel like you're here by the design of our creator. I sense that each of us will leave this morning with a gift that will sustain us through this coming week. So Jesus, give us eyes to see you in each other this morning and ears to hear your love expressed through the voices of our friends. Amen. I'm going to invite John and Susie to come up. And as they come up, I'm going to tell you a little something about them that won't come up in the interview. So John and Susie are marriage and family counselors and have extensive training in emotionally focused therapy, and they specialize in uh, co-therapy with couples. They're really good at what they do. And if you would like to get some help, because you need it, we could recommend them very strongly. And as a church, we also offer to help with the cost if that is prohibitive to you. So um, welcome John and Susie. I've clearly um, already identified you, Susie, John. Hey,
1: Susie, I'm John.
0: John's the tall one. Um, so where do you live and who and what live in your house?
1: Sure. We live in town here and uh, we bought a house with our daughter and son-in-law and two granddaughters eight years ago. Yep, so we live downstairs, they live upstairs, it works really well, it's fabulous, and they have a few pets, a cat and a hamster, and we have a dog, and that's everybody in our house.
0: So how long have you guys been part of our Bridge Sunday Morning Gatherings, and how did you find us?
1: 2007, right?
2: 2007. Yeah, we came in 2007. How did we find you? Our daughter was here a year before us going to UFE, and I got on the internet to look for who she could, where she could go to church, encouraged her to come to the bridge, because I recognized some people here, and then when we came in 07, we joined her.
1: We had earlier history with the uh, Langley Vineyard, uh, before we went to Saskatchewan, we were coming back from Saskatchewan in 07, and that's when we connected.
0: All right. Um... So for each of you, what brings you joy um, or like what makes you feel most joyous?
1: I think for myself, I love getting out in nature. We, a couple of years ago, bought a, a a tandem kayak, a two-person kayak, and we'll take that on the roof of the car and go put it in in different places. And just, it's really sweet just to get out and enjoy nature. What about you?
2: One of the things that brings me lots of joy is having my family together and seeing us all laugh together, having fun times. And I do love nature. Put me near water, and I'll be happy.
0: What would you like to be known for?
1: Uh, I think I want to be known as honest yeah. and a man of integrity. Um, I like the verse in Matthew five when he's, and Jesus says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." So I want to be known as a peacemaker, and that's some of the work that we get to do is uh, helping couples reconcile, find peace, helping families find peace, helping individuals find peace within themselves. It's it's very rewarding kind of work. So that also brings me joy. What would you like to
2: uh, be known for? for. I I hope that I'm known for being able to love well. To be compassionate towards people, that's kind of why I'm in the work I'm in, to have compassion for whatever brings people to a difficult spot in life, um, and to love them well.
0: I think you guys are on the right track. Yeah. (laughs) Well on your way. And if you drive by a school this week, at any time, and however many times you do, Would you please pray for the people working in our school system and ask ask for strength for them? Myrna um, is the kind of person who, you know, we actually were at the same school at the same time, um, too many years ago to confess to, um, and I feel like I missed out on a little bit of... um, rambunctiousness that I did not get to enjoy, but would have had I known Myrna better. Um, but I get to appreciate her personality and her uh, wit these days. And I'll just take that as a gift. So come here and I'll, I'll pray for you before you share with us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Myrna and thank you for the gifts that she brings into our midst. And I ask that we would be a gift to her in as many ways as she requires. Would you bless her now as she speaks to us? Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us through Marna this morning. Amen.
3: Thank you. Um, I always get a little bit nervous when Eden asks me to if I would share a bit because some weird passage that I either hate or I'm like, why is this even in here? So <laughs> I had an out this time. So I was looking at the passages. There's usually four in the lectionary, and I'm not smart enough to talk on all four at the same time. So I usually pick one. And so I was reading them and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Got to the third one. That's also good. Then got to Romans 60. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, It was a passage that I can honestly say I skip almost every single time, because it's so boring and doesn't make any sense why it's there. So you're lucky this morning. Because that is what I am going to talk about because I couldn't let it go like it's like, it's kind of like I see the Bible like memory, like certain memories stick and then there's so much that just goes right. And so it's like, why is this in there? Like of all the things that are so confusing in the Bible, you couldn't elaborate on something else longer, but you put this in. So why is this here? And I was a little surprised at what I um, came to. So I hope it is a little bit of an encouragement to you as what it was for me. So as always, when I get stuck with these passages, I always go back to, because I'm a little bit of a geek, to, well, what's the context here? And Romans was one of Paul's longer letters. So kind of for the first uh, 11 chapters, he was talking about kind of the beauty of the gospel, the good news of God. He painted this picture kind of of our need He lifted Jesus up as our hope, talked about how he died on the cross in our place and rose in our place. And then he went on to clearly describe how we should respond to all of that, which isn't by doing a bunch of stuff. It's just by faith, just faith. And then in Romans 12, he kind of, Paul then in his letter, gets his head out of the clouds, And kind of gets practical and then says, okay, this is then, we got this. This is how you can live. And if you let it, it can transform your life. Then we hit chapter 16, where he closes this letter to the people in the church of Rome. Now, the church was a church he hadn't even visited yet, but he was very eager to get there. But he knew some of the people. He had heard of some of the others, and there's others there he didn't know at all. So what does he do in the final part of the letter? Uh, Oftentimes, like I know, uh, in some of the work environments I've been in, Often the inspirational speeches are, you know, we need to go from good to great, do more, do better, get better lights, bigger performances. That's not what Paul did here. So what he did here was, you guys are awesome, and you're doing so good. And we see a vision, actually, in chapter 16 for what the church can be we see a picture of what our lives even here at the bridge can be together. So if we look at, I'm going to go through this passage and massacre a bunch of names. And then you will see where we will go from here, there's actually a lot in here, I'm going to read from the message just because it's a little bit easier to hear. So it says, be sure to welcome our friend Phoebe in the way of the master. With all generous hospitality we Christians are famous for, or at least should be famous for, I heartily endorse both her and her work. She is a key representative of the church of Sancria. Help her out wherever she asks. She deserves anything you can do for her. She helped many a person, including me. Say hello to Priscilla and Aquila who have worked hand in hand with me in serving Jesus. They put their lives on the line for me, and I'm not the only one grateful to them. All the non-Jewish gatherings of believers also owe them plenty to say nothing of the church that meets in their own house. Hello to my dear friend, Appenitus. He was the very first follower of Jesus in the province of Asia. That's kind of a cool title, but whatever, moving on. Hello to Mary. What a worker she's turned out to be. And hello to my cousins, Adronicus and Junius. We once shared a jail cell, kind of like me and my cousins. Just kidding. Um, They were believers in Christ before I was. Both of them are outstanding leaders. Hello to Ampliatus, my good friend in the family of God. Hello to Urbanus, our companion in Christ's work, and my good friend Stakus. Hello to Apelles, a tried and true veteran following Christ. Hello to the family of Aristobulus. Hello to my cousin Herodian. Hello to those who belong to the Lord in the family of Narcissus. Hello to Tryphena and Tryphosa, such diligent woman in serving the master. Hello to Persis, a dear friend and hard worker in Christ. Hello to Rufus, a good choice by the Master, and his mother. She also has been a dear mother to me. Hello to Asyncritus, Flagon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and also to all the other families. Hello to Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and to all the followers of Jesus who live with them. Holy hugs all around. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. So as you can see why I quite often have skipped past this passage. But when I dug in a little bit more, these were some of the observations and we'll have a little blast from the past soon um, that I saw and one of them is what Paul was doing here is he's like, you know, he didn't just say, hey, how you doing? Or all you people there, hello. He said, he called them out by name. Paul knew why names are so important. Calling someone by their name makes them feel more than just another face in a crowd. It makes them feel seen, important, and valued. And as a therapist, you see the power of this over and over again. This is something, honestly, I need to do a better job at. Uh, I can remember dog names, but I guess that doesn't count. But people names are hard, but they're so, so important. So I want you to listen to the words of this clip that we're going to play for you now.
2: Taking your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worlds sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people
3: know. People are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. There, you'll be singing that all day. You're welcome. So, but how cool would it be If the church was a place where everyone knew your name, they're always glad you came, and you want to be where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. Paul wanted them to know they were seen and important to him, and he knew their name. Second observation was Paul wasn't committed to encouragement, He didn't criticize and point out all their faults. And for sure they had them because actually this church had a lot of conflict in it. Um, But that wasn't what he focused on. He chose to encourage them. He said, hey, you know, good job. Encouragement is so important. We often like to nitpick and it's like, oh, you could do that better. You can change this. You could do instead of just like good job and looking for that and drawing that out in people. And so if you look in Hebrews 3.13, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, like I could go on and on and on where it talks about encouragement, and not just encouragement, but encouraging each other daily. Why? Well, quite simply, life sucks sometimes, and we need it, and it's really hard. When encouragement is absent, from the life of the church, people feel unloved, unimportant, useless, and forgotten. That was a quote from Garrett Kell. I'm gonna read it again and let it sink in. When encouragement is absent from the life of the church, people feel unloved, unimportant, useless, and forgotten. Paul was specific in his encouragement to let them know that they are seen and appreciated and makes it more personal and therefore more meaningful. Paul knew that the character of the people forms the character of the church and was reinforcing the character he saw. Paul knew that doing things for the church is getting involved in relationships and he wanted to encourage that hard work of being in community because it can be messy. Paul knew in order to build the church up, we must build people up because people are the church. Charles Dickens in one of his quotes um, said, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of another. Right? Courage, encouragement so, so important. Paul knew that third observation I kind of saw in here is his commitment to family. Uh, He calls women sisters and men brothers. And in verse 13, Paul talks about how even Rufus's mom was like mom to him. He had yet to visit this church, but he knows many of its members either personally in their travels, his travels, or he heard of them. But they were still family because they were a part of the church. We at the bridge are family. You on Zoom are family. We may not have met in person, but the fact that you're here makes you family. Paul was with the church in Rome. You are a part of the bridge. We are family. He uses that terminology because he has experienced community with these people. Family in a perfect world carries a deeper intimacy than friendship. And for some of you, this is not the case. And I'm sorry for that. Family should be a place of safety. And that is what you deserved back then. And that's what you deserve now. And I hope you find that. Here. Growing up, a TV show we used to watch, usually around supper time, was a show called Match. And it took place in the Korean War. And it was kind of like a medical camp. And there was this one surgeon, not my favorite, but his name was Major Charles Winchester III, British surgeon, who did say in one of the shows, and it stuck out to me, was Family Means. No one gets left behind or forgotten. How cool would that be if everyone who entered our doors felt that? Fourth observation was he was saying, okay, let's be committed to diversity. Because what we see in the church in Rome was so, so much diversity. I had to leave so much of this part out, but... There was ethnic diversity. Uh, The names sound foreign to us, not just because I massacred them, but scholars have pointed out that those names were Greek, Latin, and Roman names. There was uh, Jew and Gentile names in there. There was ethnic diversity in this church. They had social economic diversity. If you look in verses 10 and 11, we see names like Aristobulus and Narcissus. Both were the head of their estates, and some believe that um, Aristobulus actually to be the grandson of Herod the Great. So they were very rich and wealthy. Phoebe in verse 1, also known for her wealth and contributed significantly to the early church financially. In verses nine and 13, we see ne- names like Rufus and Urbanus, those were slave names. So there, were, there was also ethnic diversity in this church. Then there was gender diversity. So notice all the women listed and commented on in this passage. Paul doesn't just give these women a shout out, he refers to them as co-workers, and we see that in verse three. They were indispensable to the work of the early church. Phoebe in verse one, isn't just a servant, uh, which some translations put it as that. She wasn't, she was wealthy, but also the word is um, deaconis, which means deacon. She was a deacon in the church. Priscilla or Prisca is mentioned before her husband, and that is significant in the writings. They were both marked as great examples. Several other women mentioned and are commented on are Mary, Junius, Adronicus, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, and Rufus's mom. They weren't just listed, but they were listed as equal, and prominent in influence as the men in the early church. So that was very countercultural for Paul to do this. So there very much was ethnic diversity in the church in Rome. There was diversity in gifting. Phoebe was a deacon. Priscilla and Aquila were co-workers and hosted small groups in their house, Mary worked hard, Adronicus and Junius were great leaders and Pleiades was a good friend and that mattered, right? Rufus's mom loved people like mom. He called that out, right? They were not all the same, but they all brought something special to the table. Just like all of us here at the bridge, we all have something that is needed here in our family. When we commit to diversity, We must commit to inclusion of all for all are made in the image of God. And we must commit to unity in the midst of diversity because we are family and no one gets left behind. Unity is not the same as unison, for we are not the same. We actually need the differences as hard and messy as that can be at times. The fifth observation that I know Paul was calling them actually to a commitment of ministry. So let me explain this a bit. Like we see as we went through there, like there was ministry done alongside Paul. There was done in the local church. There was ministry in the city of Rome and even among the nations. And it kind of was reminding me of that Acts 1, 8 verse where it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is kind of right here. And then Judea was south and Samaria was north, and to the ends of the world. Ministry is not inward focused, it's outward focused. One show that I really like, yes, I watch a lot of TV sometimes. It's how I avoid things, (laughs) to be honest. Um, is New Amsterdam, and it's, if you like it, so if you haven't seen it, it's about a doctor who likes to do things differently in a hospital, and so, so much is, no, we can't do that, but he approaches it different, thinks outside the box, and it really has changed how I counsel, because every person that comes in front of him, what he says is, how can I help, and then he listens, and then he tries to meet that need. Right. And so that is ministry. That is what ministry is all about. Paul called his people, his fellow workers. He commends, like we said, Mary for working hard for their sake. He commends persons for working hard. There's all sorts of gospel ministry being done by these people. And Paul noticed being a part of a family is being committed to ministry in whatever form. The Greek word for ministry is diakono, meaning to serve, or de luau, which is to serve as a slave. And de luau is what they kept trying to attach to Phoebe, but that isn't the word in the scriptures. So it was deacon for her. It is receiving from God and pouring out to another. It's caring. It's loving well. I could name so many of you who are doing this at the bridge already. Everyone has something they can do. We all can't sing like an angel like Brenda and Philip, like, but that's one part of how they minister, right? but we can be a good friend like Ampliatus, or maybe host a small group like Priscilla and Aquila, or maybe make coffee like Kathy and Nicole, or this shirt like what Lynn made me for this talk, right? How, How do you want to minister? How do you want to be a part of our family? Sixth observation was Paul calling them to a commitment of hospitality. Priscilla and Aquila clearly hosted believers in their home. Verse 5 says, read also the church in their house. Go back to verses 10 and 11. Uh, Scholars think that the Christian communities here were also hosted in the homes of Aristobulus and Narcissus. The list in verse 14 and 15 are also probably members of two more house churches. So what do we see? We see Paul encouraging hospitality, people being welcomed into each other's homes. This is something, to be honest, again, I'm not good at. (laughs) But so many of you are and it's making a difference. As an introvert, uh, it can be difficult. But it doesn't have to look a certain way or the same for everyone. Like, when Eden started talking about all these community meals and small groups, like I start breaking out cold sweat, like, Oh, but (laughs) honestly, um, it doesn't have to look a certain way for everyone. Like, what are you comfortable with? How can you fit in this family? What does it look like for you? And honestly, for some of you, It might be a season just to receive from people because you have nothing left to give and that's okay because we're family and no one gets left behind. I looked at the definition of hospitality and this is what it said. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers. I love that it included strangers. Um, William Butler Yeats once said, there are no strangers here. Only friends you haven't met. I pray this is what people feel in our presence. The last observation is a commitment to affection. We see affection, particularly, it's kind of the opposite of my shirt, but um, we see, you know, at the end, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, I went to a private Christian high school growing up. And, you know, they would ask things like, what's your favorite Bible verse? So I'd be like, Romans 16, 16, you know, and was hoping, I don't know, the guys would line up or something, but usually ended up in a detention. But Paul was meaning something different here. And yes, greeting each other with the kiss is a cultural thing, as you know. But what he was really talking about was love isn't just shared through words, but is also through actions. And we're not just talking about deeds here, we're talking about physical affection, appropriate physical affection. Paul wants them and us to express our love for one another. He wants the church in Rome and us to show appropriate affection in a loving way. I remember, this person doesn't know I'm going to do this yet, so hope they don't kill me, but I remember when I was new at the bridge and this guy came up to a bunch of friends. We were in the kitchen making coffee and he saw his friends, gave them a hug, and then he all of a sudden looked over at me and he goes, I don't know you, but I'm a hugger. Gives me this big hug and I'm like, oh! <laughs> no, I didn't really, but I probably did freeze. I don't even know if I hugged you back. But it was Nathan. And to be honest, I have thought of that a lot. It changed me because that actually is what Paul is talking about here. He didn't know me. I was at the bridge, so I was family, right? That's the kind of stuff Paul is talking about. So thank you. So move, moving forward, even for people who are introverts, it can be hard, and that's okay. Start where you're comfortable with. Like, start with your friends. Paul point, Paul's point here is that love is meant to be expressed. Physical touch is important, whether that's a hand on your shoulder, a handshake, or a hug, or even a kiss on the cheeks, what we do in Albania. (laughs) Keeping in mind though, that there are some who have been very wounded by touch and respecting that and finding other ways to show affection to them. I think this is us, and I think this can be us. Where we're committed to greeting one another by name, being a place where everyone knows your name where you're seen and valued and we're glad you came, where we encourage one another in a world that's harsh and hard and cold and cruel. This is a place where we can come and get built up with one another and in Jesus, where we're family, where no one gets left behind or forgotten and we're all brothers and sisters together, where there's diversity, where our differences are not just honored but celebrated and needed, And the differences don't equal division, but unity. Where there's ministry, whether it be at the bridge or Abbotsford or Albania or Ukraine or Palestine, wherever, is the cry of our heart, how can I help? Where there's hospitality, people sharing their lives together. Where there's affection, the church should be a place where we're not just embraced figuratively, but literally. Simply put, what we have here in Romans 16 is family and a healthy family that's on a mission to love well. And it's my argument that what we see here looks an awful lot like the bridge and where we want to go. I hope we can carry these seven things Paul gave us forward. I know myself i have got some work to do, but I look forward to doing life this year with you, my church family. So I'd just like to end in prayer. Jesus, we come to you with your grace and mercy. We ask that you fill us with your spirit of love and understanding that would move us to seek harmony in our communities and here at the bridge. Help us to look past our differences and to see the beauty and worth of all people. May we reach out to our neighbors, the person in front of us known or unknown with compassion and kindness. May may we be patient in disagreements and strive to find common ground. Let us never give up on the power of love, but instead use it as our guiding force. Help us to see the good in each other and to appreciate the many gifts each of us brings to our communities. We pray that you bless our communities, our church family, with unity, understanding, and peace. Remind us that love is the foundation of our communities and here at the Bridge. May we all seek to foster understanding and harmony, and may the spirit of love guide us as we go forward. Amen.